Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nullcast. Bud, I uh, consider myself very fortunate to be able to record any of these uh, in the decade or so that we've done them, but uh, particularly excited to get back, put one out. Been almost three weeks, which is about as long as we'll ever go about putting a pod out. Uh, I knew I knew it had been a, a decent chunk of time when I went to a uh, family gathering over this weekend, and my my uncle started to complain to me about the frequency with which we've been putting out podcast. So glad to be able to get back together. Congratulate you on moving in uh, to a new house and getting all the things that uh, are in line with, with such a move and electricity, internet and everything else. And on uh, this Tuesday night, we're back uh, recording the Nolcast again. Coming to you recorded from the new Nolcast studios, maybe at Resolution Home Loan Studios. Well, you know, the house was certainly uh, financed with a resolution home loan, got to, got to get our sponsor plugs in here, and, I, and I'm, I'm excited to be back. And it was, uh, I'm not gonna lie, like if I had done one last week, it would have been a really, really poor product. Uh, also, because it's hard to do if you don't have internet uh, yet. So happy to be back, happy to talk, uh, and also extremely happy that all the kids who committed to Florida State since I was out uh, are kids I know a lot about, which is good. I don't have to do a lot of additional research on those kids because I've seen them all multiple times. So very. Very excited about that, uh, but yeah, uh, the move went well. Um, got my uh, got my other house on the market and uh, getting settled in here. You know, getting uh, getting the wife all set up and making sure she's all settled in. And, and uh, we had a lot of people reach out to us and you know wonder where we were. And I I don't know that we planned on taking sixteen days off, but uh, that's what we did. And uh, happy to be back here with you guys. So uh, it seems like we've got a couple new five star ratings, still averaging a four point nine rating. That's awesome. That's man. remarkable. We yeah, it really is remarkable. Uh, so uh, remarkable support that we've received from uh, from you, the listeners, and always want to start a podcast by thinking Louisiana Hot Sauce is our title sponsor. Three simple ingredients, one fantastic product, and uh, one uh, one podcast sponsor that uh, we couldn't be more fortunate to work with. So with that, bud, we'll jump into it. You just want to go ahead and focus kind of on the two kids uh, that that you initially mentioned or, or referenced there, with the uh, the Griffiths and the and the Harold kid, both formally choosing to join uh, the class of twenty. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a good place to start. So uh, I'm, I actually want to start with Jalen Harold, kid who I've seen a little bit less than I've seen Josh Griffiths, but a, a guy who I think has a higher ceiling. And Jalen Harold, the first thing you need to know about him, he is a big framed DB. I mean, you look at him. And I was talking to a scout today on, on on the phone. He called me. I was doing some doing some work around the house. Had the Bluetooth in, and, and uh, he said, "Where's where this guy going to play? Is he going to be a linebacker? I mean, I don't think he's going to be a linebacker." But that was a legitimate question from this guy, simply because of of the frame, right? He does have the frame. If he were to really hit the weights hard, he could be two twenty, legitimately. I mean, he's six two. 180 uh, verified, by the way, at the uh, at the combine there in San Antonio. Wingspan almost 80 inches. This is a huge, huge DB. Uh, currently rated as a four star, slightly inside the top 300 nationally. So I'll just kind of tell you what I know about him. Um, and and the, the first question is always like we pretty much pose is, is this a good take for Florida State? I I think it is. Uh, is he the best player in the class? No, but he does have one of the higher ceilings in the class, in my opinion. He's also pretty raw, right? Jalen is a guy who 
I was down there at, at the seven on seven tryouts for South Fort Express. And, um, you know, one of the things I noticed was his teammate at Miami Central, which is where, you know, Jalen goes and, and also where Henry Gray goes, who's another four state target. Henry Gray kind of plays with more confidence. And, and right now is probably the, the more advanced player. But I do think Jalen has a higher ceiling than Henry does potentially simply because of, of the size and athleticism combo. And, and excuse me if I'm nerding out, but, I mean, look, it's April, two weeks after the spring game. So this is kind of what we're going to talk about because there's not a whole lot else going on. When he gets some confidence, when he learns better technique, when, when he's played more football, because I don't think he's played a, a ton of, of, of corner, I'm really excited to see what he can be. Can he play corner for Harlan Barnett in this defense? I think he can. He has the ability, I physically, I think, to play some press technique. In high school, he actually has played a lot of off coverage, you know, played played kind of all around the secondary there as a DB. But he's a dude you take and you say, okay, we're going to teach this guy some, some more basic DB skills. We're going to start him out at corner. If he can play corner, if, if, if he sticks at corner, this is kind of the conversation I was having with the scout today. Dude, if he sticks at corner, then he's a first rounder. Because if you can stick at corner with that kind of size, you know, eating the kind of calories Florida State's going to put into you and lifting, lifting the, the weights that college weight program will have you lift, if he can stay at corner at, at, at you know, 210, 215-ish, then you got a heck of a player. If he can't, I think he could go play safety easily and, uh, and, and, and potentially be a good one. I really like, like the ceiling. He's not a guy who I would project to make an early impact simply because I do believe he needs uh, more development than some of the guys with his star ranking. Uh, but but I I like him. I, I think he's I think he's good. The one thing I do wish is that I could see him play more seven on. You know, we we, we got to see him in some one on one situations. We got to see him in the seven on tryouts. But uh, but the Miami Central kids this year, I think because the Central's coach is saying no have not been playing any club seven-on-seven events. So that means no Express, no Fire, no uh, DEFCON and, and uh, Immortals and uh, Hard Knocks, and I'm probably leaving out one or two other seven-on teams down there in the Miami and, and Lauderdale areas. But uh, I, w- I wish you could see him a little more in that setting because I do go to so many of those. But I think that's a quality kid. It, it, it's a guy who, if Telly Lockett wants a kid out of Miami Central, I'm inclined to believe that that it's it's a kid Florida State should take. Now, of course, the the other argument on that would be sometimes coaches take a kid simply because they want to get a, a commit so associated with their name, right? They want to kind of get on the scoreboard and say, "Hey, I'm pulling my weight. I'm doing this." And I don't believe this is that. I don't believe Telly does that. So, at, at least not not at Florida State. So, I, I think this is a good take. His true his true and final ranking will probably depend on on his senior year a lot. How much press does he play? How much corner does he play? Right now, 247 has him outside the top 50 in the state. The composite has him at like number 40. I, I don't know which one is right right now. I think if you base on his ceiling, probably the composite. If you base on what he is as a player right this minute, probably 247. I'm inclined to really rate kids more based on, you know, what 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 they're sort of, you know. Like if you percentile projections, kind of in that, that you know forty to sixty range, right? But but still a kid, I think I think is a pretty good take for them, and and a good addition to a, a very loaded DB class for Florida State. They are uh, 
They're not messing around when it comes to DBs. Offensive tackles, we won't talk about that. But uh, <laughs> DBs, man, they're got, they're doing got a lot quite of flexibility well. on the back end. Absolutely, yeah. He's he's a he's a South Florida defensive back. Uh, comes with a, a lot of the physical tendencies and and appears to have the mentality that that comes with that. Uh, you mentioned his big physical frame. I think his reach. Uh, would put him at what in the 88 percentile of, of NFL cornerbacks right now, um, or at least those that went through the combine this year. He's he's a massively large individual uh, for the position he plays. And like you mentioned, if he stays at DB uh, or cornerback, fantastic. Uh, if he if he has to move more centrally into the field, uh, you still think that he's got a lot of different assets that can make him a pretty compelling prospect. So. Really nice pickup here uh, for Florida State and, and the first commitment that we've uh, reviewed. Yeah, and you, you look at the other DBs they have, right? Jadarius McKnight, who's the, currently the highest-rated player in their class. I, I don't think that'll last. Um, I, I like some other kids in this class better, but you know, six foot two hundred, a big-time hitter can kind of play that star backer position in, that, in, in their nickel defense. Demory Tate, really athletic corner out of Orlando Freedom. I may go see him this week. You know, Jalen Harrell, like we already discussed, Isaiah Dunson. Six foot two. Tate is six foot two. Tate Dunson and Harold, six foot two, verified heights, and they got they got some serious length on 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 this team right now in the secondary. If I could pinpoint a spot that I feel like they still need to go and attack in in this DB class, to me it would be going to get a guy who can really run, and sort of a smaller framed, quicker guy who could play more of that field role if he needed. it. I mean, that's probably pretty obvious to anybody. <laughs> I would say that's not like some expert advice for me here because I just listed off. They have three six-two corners uh, in this class. But going to get a guy uh, who could really run, I think, would help them some. But at the same time, they're off to such a great start here in the DB ranks. And the other addition that we referenced is uh, Josh Griffiths, prospect that we mentioned here uh, numerous times, kid at IMG. Previously committed to Florida, a, a guy that uh, Florida State had been pretty consistent in their recruitment with. Um, in- interesting prospect. More and more of a uh, continued trend that we've talked about for maybe four months now or so. And uh, Coach Taggart seems to be actively acknowledging it now out on this booster tour as well. And that is the uh, very likelihood or high likelihood that they may shift to more of a 3-4 look. And uh, Griffiths is is not a prospect that you would only want in a three four set, but he, he probably makes a little bit more sense if that's the type of defense that you're uh, possibly running in the future. Yeah. So Josh Griffiths out of IMG, six foot four, two thirty seven. Apparently verified at the uh, at the at the Nike opening. I I'll, I'll be honest here. I did not realize after seeing him in person that he was that big. So to his credit, I will say that Josh carries his weight well. I, I would have thought he was probably more in that 230 range, not 237 range, uh, just, just from seeing him. Uh, he is not a special athlete. 47540, 469 shuttle, 27.7 vertical. He does do some things pretty well, though, and I think this is a good take for, for a number of reasons. Uh, number one, I think he fits pretty well in the 3-4. He's not going to be covering guys way down the field. But he's a guy who has a pretty good feel for the game. Uh, IMG is going to get his technique even better because most of the guys that come at IMG, like we just saw with Jaleel McCray, uh, really do play with with pretty good technique. Um, he's a p- pretty strong player, right? I, I don't think he's going to get bullied a whole lot 
at the point of attack. He's pretty good with his hands. I think he can get even better. And I think he'll get a better feel for playing the, the defensive end position. To me, the one thing that, that I have seen a lot from Josh is that he just he has a really like no quit attitude, right? He'll go in these reps and sometimes he'll get beat initially. And he just keeps grinding and keeps grinding keeps and keeps grinding and you know, stereotypes, whatever, he does seem to embody that. Thus, I, I think the floor with him is pretty high. I, I'll be excited to watch him at, at IMG more this fall as, as he plays more outside. And I don't know that he has elite level upside. In fact, I, I would be surprised somewhat if he did, although maybe you can unlock some greater athleticism or, or uh, explosiveness uh, from him off the edge. But there are some pass rushers out there who win – based on technique and relentlessness. And, and I think he'll be a guy who value uh, for you against the run uh, and the pass. There's also some elements, Ingram, with, with, with him that I know have you excited as far as the the, the intangibles, right? The, the stuff that maybe doesn't show up on film, but that make a lot of sense for, for you to take him, even as a three-star, which I think is a, the right ranking in this class, why it makes sense to take him. Certainly. I mean, he's a guy that, uh, first of all, the high school that he plays at is one that you're never going to pipeline. We've talked about this numerous times, but the better and better relationship that you can have uh, with IMG is going to pay benefits. Um, we, we've talked about the uh, the racial aspect of that. We don't need to dip back into it, but it's, it's nice to have a locker room that uh, – you know, you, somebody walks into and doesn't immediately feel excluded based off of uh, purely based off of racial composition. I agree with you on those. Um, I, I think it's a, a good fit. Look, if he's the second best edge rusher in the class that you take. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. If he's the third best, you're feeling really good. If he's the best defensive end you take in this class, then you then you fail. That's probably the best way I can put this. You need a guy who can come in and be a impact player early in his career. Not just a contributor, but an impact player early in his career. An elite-level defensive end. Right now, Florida State has not signed that in the previous classes. They, that's one area where they have failed to get elite-level talent. As, at least as recruits. I mean, you never can know with 100% certainty, of course, what's going to happen. But at least as recruits, that's one area that they have struggled with so far under Willie Taggart, you need to you need to do that this year. That now there's some targets that that they're they're in on, who may have a chance to do that. Right, if they keep going to this three four, like you mentioned, Willie Taggart said so on the booster tour. The you know Chance Williams, your guy out of Oakleaf, there is is a, is somebody who could potentially do that. He does have that explosiveness that that Josh Griffiths does not have. Will Anderson, who's who's at. Uh, uh, Kevon Glenn's teammate at what was it Dutchtown the out of Georgia I, I just saw the kid like the four weeks ago. Hampton Georgia prospect yeah yeah um, he he was he was pretty good at the uh, at the Under Armour event there that I was at thing with him is like Chance and 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 you know his his teammate and best friend Jalen Rivers they've been on campus recently Florida State's got to find a way to get Will Anderson on campus because I don't I don't I don't buy the Reggie Grimes talk I don't I don't care. That he put Florida State in his top whatever. I think that kid's going to Alabama. And if there's a backup, it might be Tennessee. And I don't think you're going to need a third choice behind those two. So to me, when you got a kid like that, the top five is kind of irrelevant, 
right? It's the top mm-hmm. two, and right. the school that the school that I cover here on this podcast is not in that top two, period. So, okay, it's hard to like like not recruit a kid who keeps putting you in his top five, but you, you better have some better targets who you actually have a realistic shot to, to land. You know, Elijah Roberts, I actually do like a lot, but again, he's the, he's a bit of a bigger body. He's not super explosive off the edge. I think it, to me, he's a different type of a role than that that edge rusher that they need to sign. And so far, I have, have largely failed to sign. So uh, they need to get a stud. And right now, I would have to say that they are not really in a great uh, position to do so. It's early-ish. It's not like super early. But uh, I'm I'm interested to see where they go with this. Right? They 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 need to hit the trail in the evaluation period, like I know we'll talk about a little more in a minute, and and uh, un- uncover some more gems. One kid that uh, recently made a uh, somewhat of an expected, I guess, announcement or declaration is uh, Richard uh, Richie Leonard, uh, interior offensive lineman, or uh, maybe a tackle, more likely a guard, uh, kid out of Coco that uh, has had a couple uh, visits to Florida State has also had some pretty impressive uh, media that he put on social media as far as him uh, you know, dunking a basketball and street clothes and other things like that, which is always nice to see out of an offensive lineman. Uh, Leonard's a, a nice prospect, very actively uh, recruited by numerous ACC and SEC schools and uh, appears as though Florida State's involved, but uh, so are some other, other uh, SEC schools in particular here. Yeah, I, I like where Florida State stands uh, with him. Ever since Randy Clements was officially uh, hired as Florida State's guy, he's been heavily on him. He, he decommitted from Kentucky. I think FSU's in a good position with Leonard. Uh, and and look, I think Leonard, and, and look, you guys know, I'll tell you, if I think a kid is overrated, I think Leonard is underrated. Right now, Ingram, he is currently rated outside the top 800 prospects in the nation. That, yeah, uh, I mean, that, is, that's laughable. Uh, it is. Yeah, that's that's not an accurate ranking, um, and a lot of times I'm like, sure, whatever, that's, you know. But but this is pretty far off. Um, the reason I like Leonard is because he's already good, but he also has upside. So to me, that is high floor, and sort of medium high ceiling. Right, the the floor is better than the ceiling, but it would be tough to project a a, a scenario in which Leonard does not succeed in college, at least based on on talent and ability. Right. He's not a kid who requires a ton of development. He's not a kid who requires like three years in the weight room before he could get on the field. I think he's a guy who could be a decent player in the ACC by year two on campus uh, and, and has performed very well at, at the camps. And, and I know the staff likes what they saw of his film. He, he's from a, a, a good program there at Coco. So that's only good news that he decommitted from Kentucky. And he's been a priority target, by the way, of Jeff Sims and, and those guys on Twitter and, and Zane Herring and, heck, probably now Josh Griffiths. I really haven't checked in like last week because I've been not – I didn't have internet. Uh, so, you know, uh, but now that Griffiths has gone public with his commitment, I, I assume he'll be on him as well. I like Leonard as a prospect. Getting him to decommit for Kentucky is a good thing, and uh, Florida State can use all the offensive linemen they could possibly get. Want to uh, want to just cover the running back position in, in particular, Bud? A lot of different names that have come up recently. I know the Jalen Knighton kid uh, has given some pretty positive media comments uh, about Florida State after being up for the spring game. Uh, but a, a decent amount of kids that Florida State's in on, 
and uh, probably have to sort this group down at some point in time. But uh, they appear to have placed themselves in a in a decent running to, uh, you know, you're going to have to recruit off of, uh, <clears throat> you're not going to recruit over Cam Akers, but you got to recruit with the idea of him leaving. And uh, you've got, you know, you've got some some space to sell to a, a decent group of kids in high school right now. Indeed. So if you recall back, like probably in what, January or February, we said, hey, they got this kid, he's a pretty damn good football player, to go ahead and walk on. That's awesome because that means they're going to have more scholarships to give in this, this this 2020 recruiting class, which which looks pretty good. Well, it looks like that's happening, right? Clemson, uh, I think, is going to get to Marcus Bowman. I don't know that that means that they have told Jalen Knight no or anything like that. I, I, I don't know that. Uh, but uh, certainly if I'm if I'm a running back and, and looking at who Clemson's in after, uh, I might take a little pause at that. And uh, it seems like Florida State has managed to, to make up some slack with Knighton, who was absolutely favoring Clemson, both publicly and extremely privately, by the way, according to my sources, at one point. Now, he still may go there, but I, I don't know that uh, that that Clemson is going to be the move now uh, because they are – We'll just see how their how their class shakes out numbers wise. Uh, they're they're potentially in contention to sign the top class in history of recruiting, so they're gonna be pretty tight on spots. Uh, Kaziah Holmes, who is uh, related to J.T. Thomas, uh, the first African American player to play for Florida State. Florida State did an excellent job on him. He's a prospect I've spoken about on this podcast previously, who is really kind of opened my eyes as far as his ability to play running back as opposed to you know, be more of an athlete or, or a corner or a safety. I, I liked him a lot when I saw him move around in space at the opening in Orlando. Uh, Lawrence Tefilli is another guy who's pretty high on their board. And then somewhere on their board is uh, Jaquavius Marks, the, the, the kid out of, uh, what is it, Carver, I think, in Atlanta. So they're doing a pretty good job with these backs. And that's to say nothing of who else might emerge we know they're still talking to Demarcus Bowman a little bit. That to me is kind of a waste of time. I think that they are at best fourth with Bowman and should really just not waste their time on that anymore. There's not really a whole lot of like problem with a phone call, you know. <laughs> so whatever on that. I, I think that they're doing pretty well in running back recruiting. If they got two of those guys, I would tell Florida State fans to be pretty happy. And it, I think the chance of, of them getting two of those pretty good. But uh, <clears throat> we've referenced this a second ago, but it is the evaluation period. If you are active on social media, you would have seen uh, numerous uh, position coaches today uh, putting out different graphics as far as what county they were in or where they were trying to go and either evaluate or further an existing relationship. Uh, so it is, uh, it is very much the period of time where you have your assistants out on the road and uh, just kind of work in the the bread and butter that is the the trail and trying to see as as many as they can in their assigned area. Yeah. So during the evaluation period, you only get a certain number of visits to each school. Uh, obviously, if, if you want to take in at least one practice, right, where the kids are in campus or excuse me, not where the kids are in campus. Good Lord. Uh, where the kids are in pads. So they'll be going to school this week, some next week for sure a good bit. Uh, and then they'll be back to see some spring games. There's a lot of sort of strategy in, in how you coordinate those visits to schools. You only get a certain number of visits, right? So you can't go and like triple up 
on one kid. Uh, you need to make sure that if you're going to a school to see one kid that you maybe you'll see two kids on, on, on one day. Uh, that's where sort of the organization and, and the accounting uh, comes in. And you got to make sure that you're traveling in an efficient manner uh, and that you're going to see kids who you have a realistic shot at. And uh, you know, maybe you, you go see a kid who you think you have a realistic shot at. And he's like, oh, well, you guys went five and seven last year and looked like a, a disorganized, unmitigated disaster on the field. So I'm going to pass or maybe just not give him the time of day. Well, uh, don't go back and see that kid twice more. Right. This is where it's very important to be honest when, when you step into that staff meeting. Nobody wants to be the guy who says, hey, coach, uh, I, I don't think I, I can land this kid now. And all these guys in, the, in every coaching room in the country are extremely confident and sometimes even overconfident because that's just kind of how they are personality-wise. If you're around these guys, like you have to have that, that extreme confidence in order to land these dudes. But the thing is it, – it, you got to be honest with yourself. You got to be honest with, with your coach, with the recruiting coordinator. It's very important to do that. And so we'll see how Florida State is with, with their recruiting organization uh, this time around and, and whether they're going to be able to land these prospects. And just important as getting on a new prospect is getting off an existing one who they may not have a shot at. To their credit, it does seem like so far they are doing a little bit better job of this of backing off kids who they're, they're just not going to land unless they have some really surprising season, which I don't think anybody really expects given the fact that they just can't block it all. Now, what you won't see a whole lot of is kids visiting campus because they're obviously practicing at their schools and Florida State coaches are out on the road at spring games. I, I know I'll see a bunch of them out at high schools and a bunch of other coaches as well. So, yeah, that's kind of what's going on uh, for the next few weeks, and I will probably make my way uh, down to IMG as well since, A, I always get to run in the coaches I know down there, both Florida State and otherwise, pretty much every day, uh, and B, there's a boatload of talent down there, although a little bit less so this year uh, than in some previous years, but it'll be good to see some dudes down there. Uh, it'd be good for you to reconnect uh, with some people, and it was great for us to be able to spend – uh, <clears throat> the spring game, uh, or at least the area before the spring game, uh, with our friends, Madison Social. Been with us since day one, uh, ever so fortunate to be able to pair with him. We've said there's uh, nobody else that kind of has their finger on the pulse of this fan base or has kind of integrated or interwoven themselves into the experience that is uh, being a supporter of Florida State Athletics. And for us just to get to sit out there on the patio was a, a great reminder as to how fortunate we are to get to work with Matt and his team. So I uh, want to just pause momentarily uh, to thank them as always. And, uh, hey, look, even if it's just sitting down there having a beer, ordering a Matso burger, uh, there's there's a, a lot of ways that somebody could spend an afternoon uh, that's worse than than headed on down to Madison Street. A lot of ways. It, it Look, Matso's great. Township's in trawl as well. It, it, what, what Matt and, and his partners have done, with College Town to transform that area, just you know, in the shadow of Doe Campbell, is awesome. I'm excited to see what they've done so far, and I'm excited to see what 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 they still have coming. And uh, it's it's just a cool setup, and it's nice that Florida State now has something like that that a lot of other schools either already had or after seeing what Florida State did, are are looking to emulate. And uh, and I'm excited to be part of it. Maybe transition over to a topic that we've covered once or twice already, and. Uh... Is it necessarily 
the easiest thing to be critical of, but it's uh, reared its ugly head once again. And, and then it's just kind of the situation that is Florida State social media. So, okay, I because I've been off social media, I just I had some people text me about this and I didn't see everything. Did I miss anything in like the last two weeks other than the ridiculous Game of Thrones edit? Is, is there um, even more? Not, not in the last two weeks that I'm uh, aware of. If they might have had something else that was briefly up and deleted, but uh, the the Game of Thrones is the most recent one that uh, you know had a couple articles written about it. Honestly, in the, uh, oh, the hierarchy, nice. yeah, I mean you know CBS Sportsline or whatever. So everybody's got to no. try to try to get a few clicks out of something. Um, but. You know, if if you're going to build a, a hierarchy of uh, of screw ups, this this is the least of them. It was not uh, uh, certainly not the Martin Luther King thing. There was actually a did they botch Easter or anything? <laughs> they did not. There were a couple jokes about that, but uh, to my knowledge, they did not. You know, superimpose any Florida State player running out of a tomb or anything else like that. They they've had some they've had some nasty ones, and they've had some that I think were deleted in time that maybe didn't get some of the backlash that they would have either uh, other otherwise. But um, it's an issue. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've been fortunate enough to have conversations with people in places of authority with Florida State, and uh, they asked me my feedback, and I brought this subject up. It's, uh, it is your window to the world, to a, a lot of different people, and certainly to uh, – those of a certain age, a higher percentage than other, but it's it's an embarrassment when there's when one when Florida State's electronic fan base is the size that it is, uh, and its social media following is the size that it is, that the actual representation of social media is just so fond of stumbling all over itself and and being its own worst enemy. <laughs> I agree. So, for those of y'all who didn't see this, and I got to tell you, man, being off social media for two weeks, I feel like I didn't miss much. Probably not the worst thing in the in the world for everybody to do once or twice a year. Get a yeah, good it's, it's, detox. It's kind of freeing. Um, you know, take that app off your phone for, for, for a little while. So, if you missed it, they had this you, – you, you watch Game of Thrones, right? I do. Yeah. So, I saw, I saw a, a screenshot of it. it. So, they had, what, Cam Akers – and Blackman, was it, I think? or Marvin. Marvin. Okay, sorry. And, and I'm not sure who the other one is. And, and that was part of the problem as well. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I don't, I'm not going to verse myself as the most knowledgeable person on Florida State's roster, but I'm certainly have an idea as to what's going on with that program. And the first guy, I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure who that is. That may be Blackman, that may be Cam Akers. I it was it was low quality, and then you had the players themselves clowning on it, which was uh, a, a little bit of a different twist. Yeah, I, that, that that was new, uh, not necessarily good, but new. Um, so there was this Photoshop that they did on two Game of Thrones characters, and was this recruiting account or was this main account? I believe this was the main account. Okay, great. So so the the infection is spreading. The the the, the suck is is spreading. That's concerning. Um. It was just a really poor Photoshop. It was something that if they came to me and said, hey, bud, we'd like to put this up on the Tomahawk Nation Instagram, I would say, why don't we just do this tomorrow if you need to do this? Because it's really poorly done. 
That's my thing too. And, and this is something interesting to me. And I, I really wish I, I, I knew the answer on this and I don't. When Willie Taggart came, the, some of the social media people he brought with him actually had some really good ideas, right? Like they were getting more creative and more in tune with a lot of the younger audience. At some point, the execution of these has become worse from a purely quality and technical standpoint. I'm not saying their ideas are worse, although certainly the Martin Luther King idea was worse. And I'm glad they didn't botch Easter, which, good Lord, I can't believe I had to say that, but, you know. I don't know if it's that the people who are making the Photoshops either lack skill, lack effort, or are not devoting either because they don't want to or because the demands on them are are too much, which kind of doubt the, the last one there, you know, it's, there's not that much going on with FSU social media. But for whatever reason, either skill, effort, or ability to devote enough time to it, the quality of the photoshops, I would say, in the year 2019, we have seen a noticeable drop-off from what they were putting out in calendar year 2018. Would you agree with that? Because I can go back and actually find an episode when, when they started changing stuff up in kind of like probably this time 2018. Where they had some pretty good ideas and they were actually decent. And I don't think that if we go back and look at Oregon, right, that they're going to say, okay, you know, the, the, the quality of the Photoshop work uh, was terrible at Oregon. So something has to have happened. And, and I don't know what that something is, but it's something that they probably should get figured out before people really start paying attention to football again, which is about August. I think they've been questioned so many times and they've become, they've become a target uh, and an easily uh, attackable target that, again, maybe if they hadn't had some of the other snafus that the Game of Thrones thing would have just been uh, not the not the best thing that ever put out, but just kind of would have gone by uh, without a whole lot of comment. Um, and the fact that, like from an institutional standpoint, they're aware that uh, they've done enough things to, to kind of have their ear to the ground that look when you put anything out on social media somebody's gonna clap back at you that you're either dumb or you didn't do it well or whatever else uh and i think now that you've got enough people kind of with their ear to the uh, proverbial train track listening to how things are are received uh when we put them out there that we're probably uh a little more sensitive and and quick to delete stuff uh because of because of some of the past things we've put out that's kind of how it should work though I mean, uh, it is. Yeah, like, it is. You know, when, like, when yeah, you I agree with you. To, when you continue to be a detriment to the institution that you work for, which right now the social media is uh, that. Yeah, the, the trigger is pulled a lot quickly, uh, more quickly. You also had the you know, one of the people who runs that thing like on their own personal social back in, you know, like early 2018, like telling like like fans not not to come to games and. Some other stuff, which yeah, it's, it's personal social well, media. You, you, but... you had yeah, but you you had the Florida, you had the account itself attacking. Uh, I don't know the Instagram account, right? right? Not word, the Twitter account. You, I think it was yeah. You well, you had your own social media uh, people actively getting into arguments with a fan base. That's, that's never what you want to do. It, I think we brought up a good point four or five months ago that like, look, when when you're down thirty seven to seven. 
and you kick a field goal to make it 37 to 10, the social media, <laughs> you're going to get something that that's out there that says, uh, you know, yay, we made a field goal or whatever the hell. There's going to be a graphic associated with it because that's their job. That's what they have to do. Right. Justify your existence. You're going to get people that say delete your account or uh, all kinds of nasty stuff. That does not mean that you engage that element of the fan base and actively draw attention to it. And that is something that this uh, the people that make up this department have chosen to do before, which, in, in my opinion, was a, a pretty big error. Yeah, there's a certain type of person that needs to be on social media, and then there's a certain type of person that probably should not work in social media. And, you know, like I was at a bar uh, at the Garth Brooks concert over the weekend, and a guy was like, hey, why did you block me on Twitter? And I was like, I have no idea. I said, well... Usually, I mute you if you just repeatedly say like like annoying or stupid stuff to me. But if you like actually like continually harass me, then I usually block you. So if you got blocked, it's probably that. What I don't need to do is is, is engage every single person who gives me hate mail. If you're a social media professional, be a professional. Professional means you get paid to do it. Don't act like some random fan on Twitter if you actually get paid to tweet and paid to Instagram. That's probably long enough on that, but because they talked about Game of Thrones, I do want to say this. I think Game of Thrones is pandering right now to its fans. It, it I don't know. Like, to me, it feels different than, and kind of spoiler alert, but this comes out on Wednesday. So if you, if you are a diehard, diehard Game of Thrones person, but you've not yet listened, I'm going to give a small spoiler here, which is that all the characters come back and get together, you know, and it's like, oh my God, like reunion time and... I get it because the the White Walkers are coming and we'll probably have a lot of good characters die uh, next episode. But like, this is the show that killed off the character in season one who everybody thought for all intents and purposes was going to end up being the main character, right? Yeah. The show that killed their, their protagonist uh, in season one and chopped his head off and told you to deal with it. I enjoyed some of the pandering, but let's acknowledge it that it's that it's pandering. All right, it, it is totally pandering. There is a feeling that yeah, the the band the band got to bed got excuse, God, I can't even talk tonight. The band got back together again, you know, one more time. And it's I don't know. To me, it's it's kind of silly. But <laughs> anyway, well, I think um, you'll I think your your uh, your your bloodlust will be will be well served on Sunday night. I think it's uh, and it's supposedly like the largest continual action scene, something something like that. I don't know. We'll see. We'll look forward to it. It's been if a I good said show over and, under two and a half episodes for the battle scene, would you say over or under? Uh, of the like battle of Winterfell, I would of that particular battle. Yes. Okay. Let's just say of between the current cast of people, so not including the Lannisters and like the battle to take place in the North against the walkers. I would say under, I think you, you still got to have another, still probably another story to be told after this. I don't think we're going to have a season long battle here and then everything's going to wrap itself up. If this only goes two episodes for the battle, you think we can get six episodes or uh, I should probably like show I'm competent at basic elementary math on this podcast, right? You think we can only get, and maybe we could do four more episodes of a slightly different storyline to end it. I may have set a bad number there. I, luckily, I, I take low limits on openers. So, 
we got we got something else, right? Uh, oh, yeah, hey, a little targeting reviews. Yes. Okay. So this is cool. This is good. Um, I'm not fully up up, up up to speed on exactly all the changes to the targeting rule, but I do think one of the changes to the targeting rule is good, and that is this. Currently, under how targeting rules are reviewed, it's reviewed just like the regular any kind of regular review, except that it's 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 mandatory. Now, in order for the targeting to be upheld, it has to be basically clear that they will uphold it as well. It can't just be call on the field was targeting a replay inconclusive. It has to be replay conclusive in order for the targeting call to be upheld, which I think is good because I, I don't like punishing amateur unpaid athletes for bang-bang plays uh, to the extent that we do now in college football. So anything that l- allows them to stay on the field for stuff which might be accidental, I'm in favor of. I think that's a, a good little evolution of the rule. It'd be nice to uh, to see that have a little bit of a an added layer to it and a, a, a slightly less of a presumption of of guilt if uh, if it was so called that way on the field. Um, we certainly won't go into any kind of great detail about this, bud. But uh, before we exit, do want to point out that Florida State got a basketball commit uh, about a week ago, a Raquan Evans kid out of a North. Uh, Idaho College. I will certainly check with our uh, resident basketball experts, but I'm pretty sure that wraps up the class of 2019. Uh, Evans is a fairly highly thought of uh, JUCO player. He's kind of a it's kind of a shooting guard uh, as far as a composition of bodies. About six four, six four and a half, 195 pounds. So one of the better uh, JUCO wing prospects out there. So again, we won't uh, stain your ears with some of this basketball. Uh, recruitment, but do want to uh, bring it to people's attention that uh, on the 15th or the 14th, uh, Florida State picked up a, another quality addition to the uh, basketball roster there. Oh, good. All right. That is, uh, that's very good. I'm not going to lie. I did not fall basketball recruiting while I was gone, but, uh, but that is, I'm, I'm glad that we got updated on that. I know we said Resolution Home Loans uh, in the Resolution Home Loan Studios, but I don't think we actually gave out the number which is 844-FSU-LOAN. That's 844-FSU-LOAN or visit FSU Home Loans. That's with an S. Dot com. You'll get connected with Shannon. He's the best loan guy in the business. He'll walk you through the process. He'll keep you informed. He'll get you a great rate. And uh, and I really don't think you can do better. That's why I went with them for my own home. You should do the same. At least give them the courtesy of checking, checking them out because they do support the show and become one of, uh, gosh, we, we, we got to be up there around 20 now. Uh, Nolcast listeners who uh, have gone and used the program and uh, very excited uh, to, to continue to grow our partnership with those guys. Great feedback from our sponsors uh, as far as just the quality of inquiry uh, that they get from our listeners. So just want to thank you guys for both your support of the Nolcast and your uh, evidently very, uh, very solid credit history as well. So a tip of the hat, tip of the hat to you guys out there for having disposable income and having paid your bills and all the things that podcast analytics uh, say, but it's, it's great to hear from a sponsor that, uh, that those things pair together. So thank you again for all the support that you've given all of our sponsors, uh, but particularly those of you that have uh, chosen to contact the, the good people at Resolution Home Loans. I think we're going to be back with an episode uh, sooner than people think, by the way, as, as a little tease. We, we will not go 16 days again without a show.